Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Well, how's everybody doing on this lovely day? It is 9.33 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is June the 19th, 2019. This is episode 109 of Bitcoin And. First thing that I want to say is that I found my cat. That's right. Actually, I think we all found our cat. If you haven't heard, been under a rock uh, on Monday, uh, the the resurgence or resurrection or whatever the hell you want to call it of Hodel and Not did occur. <clears throat> and I got to tell you, man, I got to tell you, um, I'm I'm really happy about that. Uh, let's see what Huddle Not's inaugural tweet has to say. On June the 17th at 1.43 p.m., Huddle Not writes, Dear community, there is no way I can express how grateful I am for all the love and support the last months. It has meant the world to see so many good people really care and get behind me like that. Thank you so much. And emojis for love, taco, and... I don't know, like a pow- I guess a fist power sign. And that tweet got 4.3 thousand likes and 526 retweets. And God only knows how many, um, <laughs> how many replies of people wishing him well and, and good luck. And, you know, it's, it was kind of heartwarming, man. I'm glad my cat's back. Now he has said he probably won't have all that much time to to chill out on Twitter and whatnot because an asshole of fraudulent proportions is suing him. So he is countersued in the court of Norway, in the courts of Norway. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure what that does, but it seems to throw a pretty big monkey wrench as to jurisdiction. But be that as it may, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll still have to see. Um, and then, yeah, so the cat's back. We, we got our space cat huddling up back and I'm, I'm really happy about that. All right. Next up is the Bitcoin rabbi has tweeted out a, or retweeted something from breeze tech. Now I've never heard of breeze, but, uh, he's the retweet says from, from breeze tech says big news. We've brought our lightning fast service to iPhone. Read more about it, about this update here. Oh, nice. Okay. So let's go there. And there is basically breeze's medium account and they have breeze on iOS, a big step toward lightning economy and a giant leap for breeze. This is written by Roy Scheinfeld, June the 17th. <clears throat> Breeze is proud and giddy as a schoolgirl to release its beta for iPhone. This is the next step toward the lightning economy. Let me tell you why. <clears throat> when people talk about visions in business, they don't usually see much further than their own venture, how to succeed in their own little niche and what their own success looks like. 
Our vision is broader. It encompasses our business, our market, our society, our world. We foresee the lightning economy. (laughs) Nice. That's not a forecast because a forecast is based on data that come or and comes with a margin of uncertainty. It's not a dream because dreams are the dreamer's own subjective fantasies. It's foresight because we see what's coming. Bitcoin is better than any other currency, fiat or crypto. Whenever, whether you trust in progress as the product of human reason or in evolutionary pressures to favor the fittest, Bitcoin comes out on top. But we're not there yet. Bitcoin has always had the best organizational principles and the best architecture, but it's been waiting for technology to catch up. Like the gold it's often compared to, Bitcoin has until recently been easy to store, but expensive, cumbersome, and and difficult to move. As Bitcoin becomes more mobile, it will become more useful and more people will use it. This economy hinges on Bitcoin's mobility. So how do we make Bitcoin mobile? In a word, lightning So what does a lightning economy look like? In a lightning economy, people trade money for goods and services, intermediaries, banks, credit cards, online payment processors, and custodians of any kind are obsolete. All that remains are the people trading with each other anywhere, anytime, free to do what each of them thinks is best with their own money. God forbid. That was me, sorry. Scale is no longer a concern. Transactions are virtually instantaneous. And practically free, the people are free to finally. Now, I just want to stop right there for just a second. Practically free was a word that was used at the outset of people, you know, early people evangelizing Bitcoin. And the point is, is that in those early comparisons, it was virtually free because if you compared the price of how many Satoshis it was taking to move those coins in fiat terms like USD, yeah, it was virtually free. As the price of Bitcoin rose, so did the price of each Satoshi, clearly. And all of a sudden, we had the block wars. Okay, so let's be careful about what we talk about when we ever, ever think that we're going to onboard people by saying virtually instantaneous and virtually free. It is right now on the lightning network, but that's not a guarantee that it will always remain that way. Okay. So y'all be careful with the words that you use when you're talking to people or trying to onboard somebody. Um, and let's figure out a different narrative, uh, instead of starting with virtually free, not that it really matters. I mean, $400 million USD was moved the other day in a single freaking transaction for like three bucks. So, even then, it's virtually free, okay? But if you're moving 25 bucks and it costs you three bucks, that's when people like Roger get all butt hurt and start talking about babies dying. So just be careful and don't, you know, don't um, ignite people like Roger. <clears throat> Continuing on, what sets this economy apart are the peer-to-peer structure and its scalability. Custodial wallets, the ones that take users' money on trust and charge them for the privilege, the ones basically reinventing the fiat model, but that charge their users for taking their money instead of paying them interest for it, have no place in the lightning economy. If it's not peer-to-peer, it's not really lightning. The lightning economy scales so fluidly because transactions are off-chain. Users can either run their own full nodes or they can use non-custodial clients to connect them to the network without taking their money. Still, Lightning Payment Channels, which are the skeleton of the Lightning Network, stay connected to the Bitcoin mainnet, giving users all the benefit of Bitcoin without the expense and delays. 
The Lightning economy makes Bitcoin suitable for almost all transactions, including, finally, paying for an Uber, downloading a single song, or just buying a burrito at lunchtime. Try tacos next time. Lightning is less filling, <clears throat> but still tastes great. Breeze is already well positioned to usher in the Lightning economy. In just two months, our open beta for Android has gained hundreds of new users who have used it to send thousands of payments fully non-custodial. It was the first Lightning client to implement Neutrino, and with Android, we can reach about 75% of mobile users worldwide. Welcome iPhone users. Despite our rapid success, we knew that we were missing something. Android 75% of the mobile OS market is clearly the right place to start, but what about the rest? Together, Android and iOS cover 98.01% of the mobile market. With our new beta client for the iPhone, that 98.01% is our new goal. It's a giant leap towards realizing the Lightning economy. We can now help almost everyone use Lightning cheaply and effortlessly. And since iPhone users tend to be early adopters, they'll probably help us reach our goal too. iPhone users will enjoy all of Breeze's features from the Android client, connect to pay for P2P payments, creating and paying lightning invoices, choice of BIP-157 validating node, a background channel watcher, adding funds via submarine swaps, the works. With Flutter managing the front end and Go for the business logic, crossing over to iPhone was a smooth, natural move. The only noticeable difference is that <clears throat> if the user force quits the app, the background watcher may stop working. But fear not, iOS users, we've got your back. If your background watcher sleeps for more than 72 hours, you'll automatically receive a notification to wake it up. With a refund period of a week, users' funds are never at risk. The next step will be to improve security in the UX with the help of watchtowers. The, the only thing remaining would be a non-custodial point-of-sale client that delivers all these benefits to merchants. The one, I'm sorry, the ones who, after all, receive most of the payments. So there you go, guys. It's... Um, Again, adoption, adoption, adoption. It's always about adoption. And now we're we're seeing almost as much work being done in the UX and releasing of products in the lightning side of things as we are in the uh in the base chain or the base layer or Bitcoin side of things. So the building out, as Vortex likes to say, of the BTCLN stack continues, and that should be uh good news for everybody. I did not realize that Android had 75% of the market. It kind of doesn't bode well for Apple. Oh, well. Um, next up in the stack is that uh, Keller Rosenbaum has released his book, Grokking Bitcoin, as free and open source on GitHub. And I'm looking at it right now. And like you know, introduction to Bitcoin, you know, bullet points, getting to know Bitcoin, following a Bitcoin payment, problem solved by Bitcoin, and then he goes on and said, the goal of this book is to teach you enough about Bitcoin to make informed decisions about how you can use it to improve your private life or business. My hope is that you'll learn enough to make up your own mind whether you trust Bitcoin or not. With any luck, the former. To get you off the ground, I'm going to assume you know roughly what the following terms mean. Computer program, database, computer network, web server. Okay, so... Um, this gentleman was actually recently on the Stephen Levera podcast. And I got to tell you, man, this dude, I really like this guy. And, uh, all of a sudden, uh, he just, I mean, it just drops on GitHub like a couple, I think it was like a couple of days ago is when this occurred. Let me see. Uh, when did he drop that? Oh, I can't remember. It was probably just a couple of days ago anyway. So his entire book, and I think that ends up being, 
And it doesn't give me the, uh, yeah, it's not giving me the uh, table of contents right here. But anyway, this this link uh, to uh, Keller Rosenbaum's uh, Grokking Bitcoin is going to be in a tweet in my curated uh, Twitter timeline. And you can get to that by going to the show notes and looking for the uh, link to my curated Twitter timeline so that you can read this book. And I'm, I'm going to start reading this book. This looks awesome. Uh, next up, Max Kaiser is going to burn a million in fiat. I repeat, ladies and gentlemen, Max Kaiser is going to burn $1 million USD in fiat bills. Uh, he put out a tweet sometime yesterday about 9 o'clock p.m. says, looks like I'll be burning $1 million in fiat at Bitcoin 2019 conference, June 25th through 26th in San Fran. This fiat cancer needs to be wiped out. It's not about money. It's about sending a message, quote, Max Kaiser. <laughs> it's like he should have at least attributed it to the, to the Joker. Anyway, so that should be, that should be kind of interesting. However, I got to say this, if you're going to evaporate a million dollars, just mark it by Bitcoin. I mean, and let, let the, let the fiat burn in a, in a different way, a slower way, a more painful way. Just sit there and let it smolder and, and until it's finally just all gone. I mean, I get the thing about sending a message, but dude, just mark it by a million dollars in Bitcoin. I mean, right on spot. So anyway, that's my opinion. But Max, it's Max's money. Max can do whatever the hell Max wants to do with his money. Moving on up, John Carvalho has something to say about the whole Facebook thing. Oh, God, I really don't. Ah, it hurts. Well, no, it doesn't hurt. It's just it's annoying. It's like a mosquito bite anyway. So, but John has a good take on the whole Libra, whatever he says. And this is a tweet out of uh, June 18th. He says, the main thing that bothers me about the FB coin buzz is the unabashed iconolatry. It's submissive as fuck. Zuck is not here to save, protect, or enrich you. He wants to exploit you. And y'all are practicing yoga positions for creative ways to get fucked. And John is 100% correct. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I have been seeing a lot of buzz clearly, you know, yesterday. And I, I saw some, some, you know, well, in my opinion, you know, I had a lot of respect for some OGs and it, all, a lot of that respect just got drained because of the fawning, the absolute freaking fawning over this bullshit altcoin it's just another shit coin anyway, but at least, at least John has his, has his heads on, you know, his head on his shoulders. Um, related to the bullshit coin is this GitHub pull request, or it's a, it's a basically a bug report it says my Libra coins just got confiscated by a third party. This was opened. Oh, I don't know, probably four fifty this morning, central daylight time. This is from pig dog. He says, funds have been seized by a third party due to violation of terms of service. I just posted something the validators don't, don't agree with on social media. Okay, so that's the bug. And then in the bug report, it's to reproduce. He says, trust Facebook with your money. The expected behavior heading, he's got, be able to do what I want with my money. <laughs> so the Facebook GitHub or LibraCoin or whatever this thing is, uh, the GitHub is is being soundly trolled, and I think Pierre, I think Pierre Rochard, was one of the first ones. Except he really wasn't trolling him. He was like, actually, you know, it seemed like 
in my opinion, I was like going, I wrote him back and I said, God, don't, don't help these people. Don't give them any good ideas. Cause he was saying, you know, you need to cap the supply. The emission rate needs to be, you know, on, on schedule, yada, 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 all the things we already have with, with Bitcoin. And, uh, I'm like, no, dude, don't just don't, you know, I mean, I like Pierre a lot, but dude, I just not don't <laughs> God, because as CCN is saying, and and CCN magazine, if you don't remember, said that they were closing up shop. Yet this is uh, a story they re- wrote. When did they? What's the timestamp? Oh, it looks like it was done. Oh, it was published today. So apparently CCN isn't shutting down. I don't know. I'm really confused about that whole thing. But CCN's writing a very expensive failure. <clears throat> Blockchain experts slam Facebook's Libra cryptocurrency. And this was written by Ben Brown, again, uh, today, sometime this morning. By CCN Markets, I'm sorry, excuse me, excuse me. A lot has already been said about Facebook's Libra cryptocurrency and its ambition to disrupt the finance world. But what about the blockchain technology that powers it? Blockchain experts have poured over the technical documents and played with the Libra protocol test net. Suffice it to say, they're not convinced about Libra's claims. (laughs) Quote, a disaster in slow motion. Bitcoin developer Tomas Bloomer offered the most damning assessment of the Libra protocol. He said Facebook is abusing its position to muscle into the blockchain world. Quote, Trying to buy leadership in a cutting-edge technology is very expensive and likely futile. I'm pretty certain that this will be an expensive failure, but a great door-opener for Bitcoin, end quote. Getting deeper into the blockchain itself, Bloomer said the blockchain has more in common with Ethereum than Bitcoin. It shares many of the same features as Ethereum, such as sharding and a form of practical Byzantine fault tolerance. Indeed, it may even kill Ethereum and Ripple, Blummer said. Quote, Libra resembles Ethereum more than Bitcoin. It contains all the features that make Ethereum garbage. <laughs> Account model, generic language, gas, on-chain scaling with sharding, some BFT consensus. In addition, it has to implement all KYC and AML. A sure disaster in slow motion. Oh, wow, dude. Okay. A deeper and less biased analysis of the Libra protocol came from Jameson Lopp, a Bitcoin engineer and educator. In a lengthy and incisive Medium post, he agreed the protocol shares more with Ethereum than Bitcoin. Quote, from a data structure perspective, Libra is more like Ethereum or Ripple than Bitcoin. In addition to sharding and uh, Byzantine fault tolerance features, Lop thinks Libra protocol is aiming for a proof-of-stake model similar to Ethereum's plan. But he's skeptical about the project's ability to solve the problems that have plagued the Ethereum team. Quote, sounds like Facebook has not solved any of the massive problems that Ethereum has been working on for years. No matter your opinion on the cryptocurrency itself, <clears throat> all experts seem to be aligned on one issue. Libra is not a real blockchain. Lop admits that the protocol is proficient and impressive, but not a blockchain. Quote, this protocol seems to be very well designed, but the Libra blockchain is not actually a blockchain. There is no actual blockchain data structure in the Libra protocol. End quote. It echoes the assessment of Bitcoin guru Andreas Antonopoulos, who said the project doesn't qualify as a real cryptocurrency. Quote, what Facebook or any company like Facebook is proposing is not a cryptocurrency. It doesn't have any of the fundamental characteristics of cryptocurrency. It doesn't stand on the five pillars of an open blockchain. In fact, it has none of those. End quote. 
While Libra may not be a blockchain by technical standards, there's no denying the positive impact of Facebook referring to it as such. Uh, I'm sorry, guys, having a real problem with the ethics of that statement. Let me read that again. While Libra might not be a blockchain by technical standards, there's no denying the positive impact of Facebook referring to it as such. That is unethical. Okay? Not not the statement. I mean, I, I guess the statement is could be in question. But the fact that they're lying means that they're lying. And the end does not justify the means. So keep that in mind. Almost to the end... <clears throat> By embracing the words cryptocurrency and blockchain, Facebook has brought legitimacy to the industry, even if the technology isn't there yet. This alone is one big step forward. I don't know, man. Pinning my hopes of the future on people lying about shit doesn't sound like a real good way to go. I am not pinning my hopes for the future on, on Facebook lying about its technology. It's not a blockchain. It doesn't look like a blockchain. It doesn't smell like a blockchain. It doesn't walk like a blockchain. It doesn't quack like a blockchain. It's not a blockchain. But continuing with CNBC, apparently they think it's a blockchain because they're calling it Facebook's cryptocurrency is already facing political pushback in Europe. Well, who would have freaking guessed? This was obviously yesterday at 2.42 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, written by Ryan Brown. He says, Facebook unveiled its Libra cryptocurrency on Tuesday, and it didn't go unnoticed by European officials. Hours after the company announced its crypto ambitions, French finance minister Bruno Le Maire poured cold water on the project. Le Maire said it was, quote, out of the question, end quote, that Libra becomes a sovereign currency, Bloomberg reported, citing comments made on Europe One Radio. It can't and it must not happen. Getting scared, getting scared. The group of seven, G7, which includes France, UK, US, <clears throat> is looking to set up a forum to assess the risk of digital currencies like Libra to the financial system. That's according to the Financial Times, which cited a letter from Le Maire and Bank de France Governor François Villeroy de What? These names are huge, man. My God. The group will include central banks and the International Monetary Fund, the FT reported. Sorry. Meanwhile, Marcus Ferber, a German member of European Parliament, warned Facebook could become a shadow bank with the virtual currency plans. Facebook's entry into crypto is a good reason for regulators to start working on a proper regulatory framework governing the rules of virtual currencies, Ferber said. Multinational corporations with giant user bases such as Facebook must not be allowed to operate in a regulatory nirvana when introducing virtual currencies. On the other hand, Bank of England Governor Mark Carney appeared more open to the scheme, saying he's keeping an open mind, although added the caveat that Libra would have to face regulation. Quote, anything that works in this world will become instantly systemic and will have to be subject to the highest standards of regulations, the central banker said on Tuesday. A Facebook spokesperson said, we look forward to responding to policymakers' questions as this process moves forward. God, just, just like loads of bullshit coming out of mouths on both sides of this. Sorry, but guys, but that's just a, such a stock answer set for a 2020 release. Facebook's Libra is being overseen by a consortium of companies, including Visa and Uber. It's also a, so, or it's a so-called stable coin, meaning its assets are backed 
and aim to be holding a, around a certain value instead of fluctuating like Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. The company has also developed a digital wallet called Calibra to enable its own users to store and exchange the token. The venture contains many of the hallmarks that often come with a new cryptocurrency, including a white paper laying out the underlying technology and ultimate goal of the project. The white paper hints at the consortium's willingness to work with regulators. Quote, we believe that collaborating and innovating with the financial sector, including regulators and experts across a variety of institutions, is the only way to ensure that a sustainable, secure, and trusted framework underpins this new system, the document reads. Many experts see Facebook's foray into crypto as a promising sign for the industry, but say regulators, regulatory hurdles could be an area where the venture could potentially stumble. The news comes at a time when Facebook is under intense pressure from regulators, shareholders, and users to address privacy shortcomings, said Ariel Lahostis, senior analyst at Forrester. Facebook working with financial firms like Visa and MasterCard means, quote, we can expect regulators and governments to raise questions regarding Facebook's financial data collection and management processes and whether that system meets all legal and regulatory requirements, end quote. Raymond James says it sees potential in Facebook's digital wallet, Calibra, saying it could help deliver the, on the company's aim to pro provide basic financial services to those without access. While it faces questions over whether it can lure in enough customers from traditional financial services to generate a, pro a profit, analysts at the investment bank say, say the focus on financial inclusion could increase e-commerce adoption and thus benefit fit Facebook. TransferWise, a London-based fintech firm focused on money transfers and cross-border payments, welcomed Facebook's entrance into the market. The company's CTO, Harsh Sinha, man, Harsh, what an awesome name, said large companies with large resources can help facilitate conversations with regulators. Quote, the reality is that there is quite a bit of regulatory work that goes into putting up a global network of payments. But maybe there's a way to bypass that, he told CNBC. No, there's not. Unless, if you, Sorry, that's the end of the article. But if you look like you can be regulated, guess what? You're going to be regulated. So the trick is, how do you not look like you're going to be regulated? I don't know. We'll get into this one, though. This is out of Bitcoin Magazine. June the 18th, 2019, this is, uh, I think this is from 8BTC, Asian markets appetite for crypto on the rise, pushing Bitcoin premium surge. Oh, that makes sense. Bitcoin has surged above 9,000 to set a fresh year-to-date high since Sunday, and the uptick in momentum is still going on these days. Amid the bullish trend, <clears throat> In the Bitcoin market, Bitcoin's popularity seems to be on the rise, particularly in Asian markets. According to crypto analyst Matty Greenspan, Bitcoin is currently trading at a premium of about 160 bucks. That's got to be a typo, people. That is wrong. That is way wrong. Uh, okay, well, I'm just going to go with it. Um, oh, the premium. Okay. Okay, so there's a premium. It's just 160 bucks changes arbitrageable, I suppose, but 
Ain't like I we've seen way or we've seen way higher premiums than that. But okay, let, let, I'm sorry about that stumble. According to crypto analyst Maddie Greenspan, Bitcoin is currently trading at a premium of about $160 US in Hong Kong. Greenspan said that one Bitcoin is going for 73,120 Hong Kong dollars or about 930 9,337 on the local crypto exchange Tidebit, 159 more than CoinDesk's current rate. The eToro senior market analyst suggested that it was Bitcoin's reaction to a crisis as a safe haven asset. Hong Kong has been under the global spotlight recently for mass protests against the proposed extradition bill. Hundreds of thousands. No, man, that was millions. I think it got up to two million at one point. But uh, people in Hong Kong protested against the proposed law that would allow extradition to mainland China. As fears rise over Beijing's ability to get locals' assets once the extradition law comes through, some Hong Kong residents have started moving their assets abroad, according to a recent report by Reuters. Cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin are alternatives to asset transfers for residents in this financial hub to resort to, which may be the push behind the Bitcoin premium there. Now, they got a chart from local Bitcoins, but uh, it was like, my God, there was a few few spikes earlier in 2017 and 2018, $32 million in, in daily, in weekly volume a couple of times here. It looks like seven or $5 million U S in, in, uh, in weekly, uh, purchases. Anyway, apart from Hong Kong, several other Asian countries have also seen Bitcoin premiums in their markets. A recent analysis by Binance Research questioned East Asia's country's stance on going, quote, all in on cryptocurrencies. As observed, as observations indicated, the Bitcoin premium reaches as much as 5% in Japan, South Korea, and China. The, uh, the kimchi premium return, the price of Bitcoin uh, in South Korea exchange Bihum, had recently seen premiums of up to 5% to that of Bitcoin USD spot price reaching the highest level in seven months. Japan's popular crypto exchange Bitflyer has also experienced a premium of 5%. And in China, Tether's OTC premium, USDT to CNY, rose to its highest level in 2019, which showed the willingness of new money to enter the crypto market. Parentheses note, Chinese residents cannot purchase Bitcoin directly with fiat money and have to buy a stable coin like Tether first to bypass the bar. My God. Asian markets are playing a major role in pushing up the price of Bitcoin. According to the 2019 Consumer White Paper released by the Japanese government hours before press time, the 2018 consumer cons consultations on virtual currency reached 3,657 cases, about 1.7 times the level of the previous year. So again, adoption, it's all about adoption and it doesn't, you know, look like it's looks like it's going down at this point. Uh, Jimmy Aki is writing for Bitcoin magazine as of June 18th coin market cap transparency, 70% of exchanges complied with exchange data request. <clears throat> Leading cryptocurrency data provider CoinMarketCap has announced that 70.3% of the exchanges listed on its platform have complied with its mandatory exchange data request aimed at boosting transparency and trade volume reporting. 95% of the trade volumes reported by CoinMarketCap were fake, according to a report released in April 2019 by Bitwise Asset Management. 
It suggested that CoinMarketCap reported approximately $6 billion per day in Bitcoin trading volume at the time, whereas the actual figure was $273 million, or about 4.5% of the reported amount. Following the allegation, CoinMarketCap formed an alliance with major cryptocurrency exchanges to work toward more transparent and reliable trade volume reporting. The alliance, dubbed the Data Accountability and Transparency Alliance, oh my God, data, ugh, Includes significant cryptocurrency exchanges like Binance, Bittrex, OKX, Huboy, Liquid, Upbit, KuCoin, HitBTC, Gate.io, OceanEX, and Bitfinex. I wonder why Kraken's not in there. CoinMarketCap subsequently gave all listed exchanges 45 days to provide live trading data and order book data or risk being removed from the platform's adjusted volume calculations. The exchanges that have complied with CoinMarketCap's stated requirements will continue to be listed on the crypto data platform. The company also plans to implement more stringent criteria for listing exchanges on its platform, including factors such as trading volume, community interest, traction, team, product market fit, impact, uniqueness, and time in market. The global marketing head at CoinMarketCap, Carolyn Chan expressed satisfaction with the work of the data initiative. Chen stated, or Chan stated that the new criteria would ensure that only worthy, reliable exchanges were listed on the platform. Quote, we want to be as exhaustive as possible, eventually listing every qualifying project and exchange on CoinMarketCap, she noted per the announcement. For exchanges that do not make the cut, there will be an untracked listing category where platforms that do not meet the requirements can still appear on the website. I don't know. How would we know? I mean, at this point, we're just trusting CoinMarketCap to actually have done what they said that they're going to do. I'd like to have them actually prove it, but I don't, yeah, it's never going to happen. So take it with a grain of salt, but maybe we'll, you know, maybe, you know, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, I guess. Maybe it will help with some of this um, problems and and how much this stuff is, of this stuff is actually being traded. Eh, like I said, we'll see. Uh, okay, guys, I know, I know I'm going to read something from, from Lee Kuhn, but ah. Uh, it's about Dovey Wan, and I like Dovey Wan, so we're just going to have to deal with it. Um, CoinDesk writing, June or June nineteenth, uh, twenty nineteen. Leah Cohen, according to venture capitalist Dovey Wan of Primitive Ventures, finding sustainable funding for Bitcoin developers is the biggest challenge facing the ecosystem in twenty nineteen. To bridge the gap, she's helped gather fifty bit BTC in an amount worth just north of $450,000 U.S. at press time <clears throat> are, that are now up for grabs. Wan Pittner, uh, partnered with Bitmain alum Pan Zabu to create the nonprofit Hardcore Fund in 2018, then started supporting Bitcoin Core contributors Luke Dash Jr. and Ben Woolsey last fall. Woolsey told Coindesk that he spends the fund co-founders he sends the fund co-founders an email every month detailing the engineering work he completed, including code review and pull request on the Bitcoin Core GitHub page. With that information, the fund sends him a small portion of his year-long Bitcoin salary. Nice. A fresh batch of donations means the fund is now open to application now open to applications for more developers. While many contributors have donated anonymously to the fund, known benefactors including entrepreneur Kevin Pan of Poolin and others from China's crypto ecosystem. Now, that's two people from Bitmain because uh, both of those guys. 
Oh, no, no, no. Okay, I'm sorry. No, Kevin Pan and Pan Zybo, I think, are both from Bitmain. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because Kevin Pan is from Poolin, but those were he was one of the three guys that left Bitmain to start Poolin, and they're now being sued by Jihan Wu. So it looks like he's mad that they're supporting Bitcoin Core. <laughs> It just gets so silly in this place, man. Quote, we collected 50 Bitcoin, Wan told Coindesk. Right now, you wouldn't believe it. There are less than 10 full-time Bitcoin developers. We want to fund full-time independent Bitcoin developers. To be fair, it's hard to say how many people work full-time on Bitcoin Core if you include independent research and open source nonprofit projects like crypto wallets. Several organizations already support open source developments such as Chaincode Labs, Blockstream, MIT's Digital Currency Initiative, and Square. In the future, W said she expects companies like Microsoft to support independent developers. Yet, while Woolsey expressed ample respect for the above-mentioned companies, he said the fund is the most independent funding model for Bitcoin development that he's seen so far. We should be wary of forming a bias of groupthink. Having diverse funding models helps us protect against groupthink of any given topic, Woolsey said. The fund has no say over what the developers prioritize, although the co-founders are themselves fascinated by updates that relate to the Lightning Network and fungibility. Instead, the money is distributed based on evidence of past contributions to Bitcoin Core and continued work on any aspect of the project the developer chooses. Prospective applicants can now send their biography information and GitHub profile to WAN's primitive venture email. Nice. Pan, who helps manage the fund's daily operations, told Coindesk, quote, We are looking for someone who's got a deep understanding of Bitcoin's architecture and its existing problems to solve. If he or she can train, coach, or facilitate other developers, propose new BIPs, and new directions for technical development, that's even better, end quote. As one of the donors... Qtum Foundation founder Patrick Dye agreed with Dovey and Woolsey about the importance of contributing to open source development. Quote, the Qtum project inherited a lot of great technology from Bitcoin's development work, Dye told Coindesk. There are so many companies and projects and individuals benefiting a lot from Bitcoin software. The easiest way to say thanks is to give some support to the talented developers behind the Bitcoin network. So there you go, man. Dovey's out there. Pounding the pounding the pavement for for money for Bitcoin Core development. Nice, nice. This is another one out of CoinDesk. <clears throat> Two hundred thousand dollars U.S. in Bitcoin seized in Darknet drug probe. This is Daniel Kuhn. Writing January the 19th, U.S. authorities seized more than $200,000 worth of Bitcoin after alleged drug manufacturer and dealer met with undercover law enforcement officers to exchange the digital currency for cash at a hotel in Norwood, Massachusetts. The arrest, which occurred on March the 27th, 2019, was part of a wider investigation into a Boston-based drug syndicate that operated through the Darknet site East Side High. During the investigation, an undercover federal agent ordered MDMA from the East Side High vendors. Later, this officer allegedly observed Ben Tan Lee, 22, deposit an envelope containing the agent's order into a United States Postal Service collection box in Stoughton, a neighborhood in Boston. Agents devised a sting meeting with Lee, arresting him after he transferred Bitcoin to the agents. It is unclear if Lee collaborated with the federal agents throughout the investigation. Lee's conspirators, I think they're supposed to be co-conspirators, Stephen McCall, 23, and Alante Perez, 22, were later arrested on charges of conspiring to make and distribute controlled substances 
including MDMA, ketamine, and Xanax. According to the charging documents, Lee McCall and Perez received wholesale quality quantities of controlled substances in the mail. The three men then processed and manufactured those controlled substances at an office space they rented in Staunton. Pursuant to federal search warrants, numerous envelopes containing narcotics connected to this drug distribution scheme were intercepted. The arrests were made following the execution of a search warrant of their office space. Upon entry, the agents found and arrested McCall, who was wearing latex gloves and a respirator believed to be in the process of filling drug orders. During the search, agents found a computer with the Eastside High Vendor page open and numerous packages containing MDMA and ketamine, various shipping and packaging materials, and a pill press. In total, authorities have also seized 20 kilograms of MDMA, more than 7 kilograms of ketamine, over 10,000 Xanax pills, and more than 100K in cash. My heavens! All three men were indicted yesterday in federal court in Boston on charges of conspiring to manufacture and distribute controlled substances so they can kiss their ass goodbye for a long, long, long ass time. Uh, all right, let's see so a couple more here. I'm not going to read this entire. Well, this is a good one uh, because it's it's important for Firefox users. LunarDigitalAssets.com uh, has a news piece out. Uh, this is published by or written by Han Yoon. It says, critical security update. Coinbase security team discovers zero-day exploit on Firefox. Coinbase security and Samuel Grob <clears throat> or Groby, whatever. I can't pronounce that, that letter. A security researcher with Google discovered a zero-day exploit on the Mozilla Firefox browser, which uses JavaScript objects <clears throat> to incur type confusion. This exploit, tracked as CVE 2019-11707, was seen in the wild specifically targeting cryptocurrency users. A zero-day exploit is a... Well, we know what a zero-day exploit is. Anyway, so any of you guys that are using Firefox, be aware that Coinbase and this uh, Samuel Grob have figured out that it's probably not safe. Um and this is a critical vulnerability uh, from low to moderate to high to critical as the impact key on digital lunar assets. This is ranking as highest in impact. So uh, if you're using Mozilla Firefox, you may want to, uh, you may want to Google uh, Coindesk or I'm sorry, Coinbase zero day exploit and Mozilla Firefox uh, last in the stack. Oh, this thing. Mm-hmm. Meltem Demirs writes, this is a tweet, the first Algo, at Algorand token auction just cleared at $2.40 US, it was a Dutch auction, for 25 million algos. At CoinList conducted the auction and US investors were blocked from participating. Implied market cap of Algorand network now $24 billion United States. Ethereum is worth $28 billion. Okay, so this is the stupidity behind the, the market capitalization number that we all think is so very, very near and dear and important to our hearts. It Clearly, it's not. I hadn't even heard of freaking Algorand. So what is Algorand? Well, their landing page for their website, Algorand.com, says, Borderless Economy, Boundless Opportunity. God, the hype. Algorand is defining the standard for blockchain technology. 
this bullshit is so deep. Oh, it's just, the hyperbole is just as high as the bullshit is deep in this, man. It goes on to say, our pure proof of stake protocol is the first of its kind to support the scale, open participation, and transaction finality for billions of users, all backed by a sustainable business and a renowned team of experts. And it's the same absolute pile of bullshit that every other shitcoin that we've seen since 2016, 2015, and, and before, it's the same spiel. And they're still roping in dumbasses. And they that's the thing is that they did they're saying that I think they're saying that they sold it all, but I don't I don't buy it. I think they I think what they sold is all the ones that they had for sale. They've still got a shitload more, but because they were able to sell sell at least one for two dollars and forty cents, that means that if you add it all up, they have a a, a a market cap of $24 billion USD. And I'm sorry, but that's just complete bullshit. But that's going to, that amount of bullshit is going to do it for the morning roundup. All right. So before we get into vile statistics, I have an announcement. I'm going to be on, well, unless something happens, like I fall out of a tree or get hit by a bus, I'm going to be on Adam Meister's, the Bitcoin Meister show on Friday. I believe that's going to go off at about 1 p.m. Central Daylight Time. But if you are somebody who does listen to Adam Meister's show, I know I am one of them. Um, be sure to check on that time, but it's definitely going to be on Friday. And like I said, I, I think it's going to be central daylight time. And if I'm not wrong, it's, he usually does all his stuff live. So be on the lookout. And yes, we're going to cover at one point or another, the whole Libra coin thing again. And I know you guys are already getting really tired of it, but there's no escape in this crap. It's, we're going to have to deal with news stories and, People like Peter Schiff praising, you know, old basically old men are now praying to Facebook. They're no longer yelling at Bitcoin. They're praying to Facebook. And it's embarrassing to watch, but we're going to have to deal with it. There's not much else I can do. Um, Vital Statistics is brought to you by bitinfocharts.com. And we have a Bitcoin price at 9095.94 with a high over at... Simex is going to be 9111 No, I'm sorry. Coinbase Pro is going to have it at the highest. They've got it at 9118 It looks like the low is going to be at Bitstamp at 9056 366,000 transactions were made over the last 24 hours, giving us uh, about 15,250 transactions on average per hour. 2.6 billion BTC have been sent over that period, and 109,000 BTC have been sent per hour on average. Average transaction value is 7.16 BTC, and the median transaction value is at 0.037, or around $333 US. Block time is a bit low at 9 minutes 28 seconds. 0.69 BTC are being taken for fees on a per-block basis, and 105 BTC have been taken overall in the last 24 hours. We have had a... Looks like a pretty big spike in hash rate over the last 24 hours, 17.41%, bringing us just above 60 exahashes per second. 
The last GitHub commit was yesterday for the Bitcoin core code. Ethereum is at 266. Litecoin is at 137. Bcash is at 410. BSV is at 223. Ethereum Classic is at 850. And Dogecoin is at 0.0031. And no, Dogecoin's 27,800 transactions have not breached BSV or Bcash. So that'll do it for Vitals. Alright, the song today is again from Rush because we are doing Rush's Fear series. This is going to be part two. Part two. We did part three Monday. The way they did it was part three in Moving Pictures, part two in uh, Signals, and then they did part one in uh, Grace Under Pressure, and then they did part four 18 years later in Vapor Trails. So this is part two. And this is from their 1982 album called Signals.
The Daily Trainwreck is brought to you by at M-P-E-S-C-E, otherwise known as Mark Pessy. Now, he deleted this particular tweet, but thanks to people like Matt O'Dell and, and te- using technology such as TweetStamp or at tweet underscore stamp, his words are now in you know in, in basically indelible. Um, so he tried to re- he tried to delete the tweet, but it didn't matter because like it wasn't even ma- just Matt. I think four different people immediately tweet stamped this thing. But let's let's enjoy Mark Pessy's word <clears throat> words here. He says, "Let me be clear here: Bitcoin is to Libra as MySpace is to Facebook." I wonder why he deleted that tweet. <clears throat> you can probably just guess the amount of shit that that he caught for uh, uh, saying that. But there's a lot of people that are <clears throat> that are doing this. Uh, that's what I was saying. There's like there's a whole bunch of fawning going on over this, and I, I don't understand why. Um, it's a shit coin, and what makes it worse is that it's Mark Zuckerberg's shit coin. Why would you trust Mark with anything after the shit they've pulled? I don't know, man. I wouldn't trust the dude to, I, I don't know. I just, there's nothing about this thing that, that is trustworthy. <clears throat> They've been for years, uh, eating your, your data, as far as your relationship network data, your private data, uh, things that you buy, but now they're going, they're going to go right for the juggler, juggler here and get your financial data, which is more uh, than just what you buy. Okay, so if you are planning on using Libra, I feel sorry for you. I really do. Because there's everything that they said that it is, it is not. And that's another lie built upon a stack of other lies that Mark Zuckerberg has been saying ever since he called his users dumb fucks. And he did do that. That's actually known. He he wrote that in a message and somebody screen capped it way back in the day when he was at Harvard or wherever the hell he went. And uh, yeah, yeah. So that's what he thinks of you. And if you think your financial data is safe with him, maybe you deserve everything you get. Anyway, that's your smoldering pile for the day. Terrible Joke Corner is brought to you by Ramp Capital LLC. Uh, and if you are not following Ramp Capital LLC, you know, I, I, the dude will make you, will crack your ass up. I mean, and he's, you know, also pretty, seems to be a fairly decent trader. I don't know. I don't follow his trades, but he's always, you know, talking about that. And one of, one of my, one of his best bits is uh, stock tips from dad, or he'll get stock texts or quotes from dad and it'll be everything bitching about Trump or or needing to shut the machines down because the S&P is crashing. Anyway, it's, I'd, I'd give Ramp Capital LLC a, a follow if you haven't been doing it, but he, uh, he's got a joke here that says, why doesn't anyone want to work for dogs? Because they hound their employees. Yeah, that's bad. And I definitely want to thank uh, Ramp Capital LLC for allowing me to use that. Um, and in, in either event, that's going to do it for me today. You guys have a wonderful Wednesday. Uh, don't think too hard about the shit show that is Libra. Uh, 
I, which is going to be impossible because this is all we're going to be talking about for like weeks. I hope it's not that long, but chances are good. It's going to be weeks and why? And it's, it's just because a shit coin came out of a multi-billion dollar company in either event. I think it's all crap, but I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.